0: Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can find the show online at buildingthefutureshow.com or follow me on Twitter at Building Show. You can also find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. And welcome back. Today on the show, we have Bob Fitz. He's the founder and producer of SupEx, the startup expo. He's the president of Gold Coast Venture Capital Association and the CEO of Trident Global. Welcome, Bob. How's it going?
1: Great, Kevin. Thanks for having me today. Happy to be on the show.
0: Yeah, thanks for uh, doing this. This is this is awesome. I've been excited to talk to you since we connected on LinkedIn, I guess a couple of months ago now.
1: Yeah, it's been a couple of months. I'm an avid user of LinkedIn. Uh, it's a great way to meet people from all over the world that have like, you know, kind of like-minded and similar interests. So uh, glad we were able to connect.
0: Yeah, awesome. And then we'll talk about a little bit more later on in the show about how we're, we're doing a kind of a thing together later in February. But let's maybe start off with a little bit on your background and kind of where you grew up.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I was a corporate brat here in the States. Uh, my father got transferred quite a bit after getting his Ph.D. And so I lived uh, in five or six cities in the South and, and around the, the, the country Um, Then I ended up going to college in Virginia, and then since graduating and getting my MBA, uh, I've moved around a lot, too, so evidently I must have enjoyed it. I think uh, between my childhood and my adulthood, Miami represents city number 12 or 13 or something. Oh, wow. My my background is um, structured finance. Um, I did a lot of finance work for Goldman Sachs subsidiary and then for Prudential Financial, and then I was kind of an M&A guy. And, but more on the, the integration piece, which led me to be a CLO of a couple of reasonable sized business units for Prudential. And then I'd had enough for the corporate world. And uh, I got out and went and uh, helped the guy uh, be a resort community developer in exactly the perfect wrong time to do it uh, in the fall of 2005. Uh, and so we were developing three very large communities in two countries. When the uh, big crash hit in 2008 and uh, at that point uh, I exited the real estate industry and started doing some management consulting uh, and uh, I ended up moving out of New York where I'd been for fifteen years uh, about four years ago and uh, came to Florida and had no background in the startup and entrepreneurial world at all and kind of backed into it and uh, and I can give you the, I can tell you how we got to here if that's of any interest as well.
0: Sure. No, I, I think that that'd be really interesting to, to kind of know more about how you went from New York to Florida, sunny Florida, I suppose. How you became president of your uh, Gold Coast Venture uh, Capital Association and how you ended up kind of doing the conference that I'm going to be down at in February. So do you want to maybe start with that?
1: Sure. You know, uh, when I moved to Florida, I really didn't know that many people. I I had just had enough of the Northeast and New York, and I wanted sunshine and was going through some personal changes and essentially just decided to kind of reboot my life a little bit. And so I moved to Miami, and uh, I started going to all kinds of events, and I, I saw some angel groups and you know, I'm from a finance background uh, and, a, and a, a kind of a corporate background to some extent, I thought I'd check it out, you know, cause my brothers are in the tech scene and I thought, Oh, I want to see what's going on. And I, it was very interesting to meet so many young, positive, bright people with great ideas. Uh, a lot of them pipe dreams, but a lot of them, you know, a, a certain percent have potential and it's, it's an, it's an interesting and fun and positive culture to be around. And, um, I thought I'd keep going, and eventually I found an organization um, that was troubled. Um, the organization was clearly dying, and I was looking as a newcomer to join organizations that I could really get involved in. Uh, it would be a chance to meet people, and it would also be a chance to subtly showcase my skills to those that were help running the organization and, and hopefully have it you know generate some business that way in, in, in sort of a... A softer approach than glad-handing everybody at the meetings and bragging about myself or something, which isn't really my style. So uh, I ended up getting involved in Build Coast, and uh, I was introduced to the guy that ran it and told him that I wanted to get involved, but I wasn't a wallflower, and that uh, I had some impressions about the organization that perhaps weren't favorable, and he asked me to explain, and I told him I thought they'd be out of business in three years. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> so that why did you say new- that,
0: or why did you think that?
1: Well, because the model that they had at the time was what I called the old guy supper club model. Uh-huh. And, you know, you show up at 530 and network for an hour and then you sat at a dinner with a table. So it was like an eight top table. So you sat with seven other people and the quality of the networking was only, it was a, you know, a direct proportion to the quality and the talkativeness of the person to your left and right.
2: Uh, okay. And,
1: which restricts your, you know, ability to really, really interact. And then, then there was the programming from say 7:30 to 8:30. So it was long, boring, and expensive. But because they were serving a sit-down dinner, the price point was also high. They were charging like 65 bucks for non-members and 45 for members. And so, and the other thing that they were making a mistake about doing is they were charging startups 350 dollars to pitch.
2: Oh wow. Well, start.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, you get it. Don't need a lot of explanation, but they didn't get it. And so they didn't get that as a result, the better startups weren't doing it. And the other thing is they weren't a check writing angel group. They were really a forum. And so that's not to say that there weren't investors in the audience and that deals did not get done, but it wasn't like going to your typical angel group where you make a pitch and if they like you, you know, either a fund decides to invest in you or at least four of the members say, you know, okay, I'm in for 10000 or whatever. But it wasn't like that at all. So not only did startups have to pay to come, but, you know, the likelihood of there being a payoff was very small and word had gotten out. And as a result, the pipeline for startups wanting to pitch was practically nonexistent. And they just were older and not as fleet and as connected to things and hungry frankly to try to try different things and things that I'm sure you're familiar with startup grind and sure all kinds of and 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 I'm sure in Canada it's just as it is here there's almost a saturation of events I mean, you could go to an event at least one a night here in Miami maybe more than one a night uh, that you know you can go to easily for less than $35 and under 50 there's tons of events so I just thought that they wouldn't survive as a result of that and uh, he said his response was look we need some allies to help us join the board and so the very first meeting I joined the board and I told him I was going to do this I rammed through the change that we were dropping the $350 fee and it passed and the executive director resigned within two weeks Oh so, wow! yeah so then the guy that uh, kind of blessed me coming on the board. It was like, well, great, thanks. <laughs> now what do, Now what do we do? And I told him at the time, since I was so new to the area and trying to build up my own book of business, and I wasn't that busy. I said, look, I'll run the organization as a volunteer for a while. And um, we set about changing virtually everything about the organization. And this is a 30-year-old organization. So it, it had a brand, but the brand was, was uh, tainted. So we, we we rebranded the organization, literally. We you know, we hired a graphic designer and came up with a new logo. We put in a new website. We put in a new CRM system. And then we set about trying to do things to rehabilitate our reputation in the area. And so we came up with a concept. Uh, we needed a big splash, I thought. And um, so this was about September. The, the prime time in Florida, as you would imagine, is... Say between Christmas and Easter, essentially the snowbird season, as we call them down here, where the right. northeastern investors come down to Florida, and a lot of your fellow Canadians do, yep. and we love having them here, and um, and that's the prime time for you know to meet a lot of people down here. And said, look, we're going to do an event in February, and so we I ran around the state going to other events and seeing which startups were exhibiting or pitching, whatever. And I recruited 25 of the better startups I came across. And then I went and found 14 sponsors that were willing to exhibit. And I said, look, to all of them, I said, there's no format. You know, there's no programming, so to speak. You're going to stand behind the table. And our job is to gather as many people as we possibly can and you're going to talk to your about either your existing business or your startup to so as many of them as possible. And if you're a startup, we're hoping that the percentage of those that come in the door that are actual investors is a reasonable percentage. And you might make some, you know, positive capital connections. And um, we managed to get 350 people to turn out. Oh and wow, that's which was, awesome. Which, for us, that was well, thank you. And for us, that was huge because. We couldn't get anybody to partner with us. You know, we—I'll uh, explain the partnership system we use now later. But um, no other organization really wanted to partner with us because of our, our reputation was so. You know, we, it wasn't that we were—they were viewed as bad people. Obviously, not. But it was just viewed as a tired organization. So we did that really on our own, and uh, and that started to turn the ship around, and people started to pay attention. And then the next thing that we decided to do was just to be more. To, to clarify our mission and and to quit doing pitch events because, as I explained before, we weren't really writing checks. So we started to become an information-oriented organization, and we clarified our mission as to grow and enrich the South Florida entrepreneurial ecosystem by producing events that bring together investors, entrepreneurs, and service providers. It's very clear what an organization, What if you heard that, you'd know what we did. So we put on one month, we might have a panel on crowdfunding, and then one month we might have a panel on raising capital for startups, and we might have a speaker the next one. And so people began to see what we were doing, and we really spent time thinking about really good, smart topics that were of interest, and we found good speakers. And slowly that ship continued to turn, and then we came up... So the expo was in February of that year 2014 we came up with the concept of another event to be held in August of that year and that was called Meet the Angels and I'll Meet the Angels is a bit of a misnomer but it's a catchy title and the premise <laughs> totally. behind Meet the Angels was the premise behind Meet the Angels was if you're a startup you know where do you find money? I mean, it's a dilemma they all have, and they run all over the state and try to figure out which angel groups are the right one for them, et cetera. And we said, well, let's turn this on its head. Let's just get all the, the really good angel funds in one room, and it'll be easier for the startups to understand where to go. So we we went and recruited um, all the major angel groups in, in Central and South Florida from uh, geography is that's within probably a 250 to 300 mile kind of radius, um and we got about seven or eight funds that do seed series investing.
2: Okay. We had a
1: total of about we had a total of about 18 panelists to participate, and unlike that previous event, the expo where nobody would partner with us, we had like. 17 organizations decide to co-market this event. Oh, so, wow,
0: that's awesome. So how did yes, you go about reaching out to them? Did you just email? Did you call? Did you know a bunch of them?
1: Well, I had been networking like crazy right. as we were trying to turn the organization around and trying to go to other people's events and show support for them and, and also inviting them to be some of our speakers from, you know, on those panels I was talking about helped. So we were giving them exposure, and we were just trying to be a good friend and support their events and give them opportunities at ours. I mean, everyone loves to speak. So we had been cultivating relationships for a while and people started to see that we were doing good things and that we could be trusted to produce an event of quality and not embarrass them. And we, and we gave them things. So like, you know, I don't know what the ecosystem is in the area that you're like, but here it's a little clicky. And, uh, what, what we said, oftentimes people like charge people to speak because almost like an ad. And, and we're like, look, we're going to, we want you guys to come and talk about your organizations all you can. And of course, there's no fee. You're doing us a favor by speaking at your event. So we gave them a nice platform. And uh, the other thing that we did, which was really good for the startups was we had each panelist prepare a, a deck. And in that deck, they had to Obviously, say who the organization is, uh, what their investment parameters were, uh, which verticals they like and don't like, what their process was, how much they invested in the past year, what, and, what, and their typical investment size, and some other information, and then who to contact. Oh,
2: interesting. And then we
1: put, and then we put all of those presentations on a jump drive and and we had uh, a local law firm sponsor the cost of that jump drive and then everyone who showed up got that jump drive so oh, if you're okay. a start- that's so actually really a really start- good idea well thanks i don't know if it was mine or not but i'm happy to take credit for it <laughs> uh, so uh, we uh, we so if you were a startup in the area by the end of that meeting and they didn't just sit up there and talk about okay this is my organization they did not repeat what was on that jump drive the panels themselves were about the process of raising money and the idiosyncrasies and the do's and don'ts. And it was a learning session. And then when you left, you got the jump drive that kind of gave you the pragmatic logistical stuff about how to contact them. But if you were a startup, you got to sit there and really learn from investors about their thought processes and, and, you know, you know, whether to sign disclosure agreements and structures and, and, all these great things to learn about raising money. And then when you left, you knew, okay, I'm not gonna go talk to that angel group because they said they don't do life sciences and I'm, you know, I'm a medical device company or, or this one likes more mature companies that are really more toward the seed side of things and not just post friends and family. So that's gonna be a waste of time. So it was, it was a, great, uh, a great learning opportunity and we had 550 people turn out for that.
0: Oh wow, that's awesome.
1: And yeah, we, that was, you know, I'd only been involved with the organization for a couple of years and it's been around for 30, but I have to imagine that was the largest event the organization had ever done. For sure. And at that point, and at that point, the organization was turned around. I mean, the finances were stabilized and we still need to improve the finances and we need to grow the membership base. But at that point, at that point, our our reputation and our brand had been rehabilitated and um, uh, that's, I guess if there were a lesson here, if I'm going to drone on and on. <laughs> maybe no, it's good. This is
0: awesome. This is interesting.
1: <laughs> maybe somebody wants a lesson Some listen to all this. I guess the lesson would be that, you know, I try to structure things even in my past business life and even what I do now is the best way to make, uh, I think, progress with others is, you know, try to structure win-wins as easily as possible. Find out what other people's needs are and what you can do to address them and then be open and honest about what yours are and find uh, there's a mutual point in there somewhere where it works for everybody. And say for Meet the Angels, what they wanted was to talk about their organization and be given a nice platform and not have to pay for the, uh, the opportunity um, and, you know, not get grilled, you know, and, and have a quality of event and good good promotion that would help get their name out. And what we obviously needed was good speakers to attract the entrepreneurs to the event, and uh, which means that we produce good events. So, um, you know, there's many ways to skin a cat, but that's structuring one wins is the one that I look for the most.
0: No, that makes the most sense because then you're benefiting both parties and both parties are pumped to be there and want to be there and want to go and they tell their friends to come, right?
1: Yeah, and I think the problem is, is in the corporate world too much is that, you know, Things are viewed as zero-sum games. Um, you know, it's perhaps not quite as cynical as going watching movies like Wall Street, et cetera, which are somewhat exaggerations. But you know, too often negotiation is viewed as a zero-sum game. And uh, and there's certain cultures that you know you have to haggle. I mean, it's part of part of. I'm certain it's probably part of my personality. But for me, I have found over the years that. Um, Cooperation is a much better way to get to re- resolution than uh, playing hide the ball.
0: Yeah, no, that makes total sense.
1: Well, I, I, and you had asked earlier, so how did how did that get us to the conference? And so, at that point, we realized that we realized that we had an ability to produce quality events. We realized that the organization had a good brand, and. Um, there was clearly a need. And I had been writing a business plan for a international conference for the startup community. And there are and I'd done research on other conferences, and as we were talking about earlier, Kevin, that, you know there's there's almost a saturation. There's so much enthusiasm, at least in North America for entrepreneurship, that it, which is awesome. there There are events constantly in major metropolitan areas, literally every night, as we were saying. So what would be something different? How how what what would be the uh, uh, something that would stand out? And I had looked at a lot of the conferences and the really big ones. It, it would have festivals like South by Southwest, which yeah. is a lot of things. And in South by Southwest, I don't I don't think a lot of people know this that are younger. I mean, I'm 50, but that started off as a music festival. Totally, now I've people, actually been if once. They,
0: it was a if blast.
1: People, if yeah people think of it now as a technology festival but it it started off as a music festival and it's a technology festival and it's a film festival it's a week long there's like a million people there there's a there you know so you know there's some festivals around the country as I refer to them and then there are some really big conferences too yeah um and and a lot of those tend to be in silicon valley and new york which means almost by definition they're what i refer to as capital conferences it's really about the raising money aspect of being an entrepreneur. Uh, and then, you know, they, they had a couple of, you know, whales or you know, somebody who does the the successful guy talk, as I call it. Right. But it seemed like there was an, a need for something that was a little more focused. And obviously, you know, there's one benefit that we have here in South Florida is that, our winters are amazing. We don't have them. <laughs>
2: so,
1: so uh, we, you know, that's, what's amazing about them is we don't have a winter, a cold day here in, in, in February, like 70. Don't please don't, don't throw any bombs my way from North of the, from up North, the great white North. But, yeah. uh, so it was obvious when, when, when to do something. And that's not totally a differentiator. However, it, it, it does make it a rather opportune time to have a conference, but what we've decided to produce was, um, we want to produce the best pre-Series A conference in the world within the next four or five years, and within in North America within the next two to four years. And um, so... What does pre-series A mean? Because series A itself has multiple meanings uh, even throughout the United States. And so I'm not even you might even have a third interpretation in Canada. So I guess one way of thinking about it is it's typically say sub three million dollars in revenue and sub three million dollars in capital that's been raised. And that's actually you know somebody else might even have another definition, but um, we want to put on the best, not necessarily the biggest, but it may be, and that would be fine. But the best conference uh, for that community uh, in North America. And so, what is that community? The community really has three important components. The most important component of that, to me, focus is the entrepreneur. Right. And providing, you know, when, providing several things that I think are vital for the entrepreneur. One is outstanding world-class content. Now, it doesn't mean outstanding world-class content isn't necessarily Elon Musk giving us the keynote address, which, by the way, we take. Uh, (laughs) But if you know Elon, have him give me a call. Well, actually,
0: a couple weeks ago, I interviewed uh, one of the guys, Ryan Scott. He actually invested in Tesla early on, so he does know Elon, but I don't don't know. Maybe I can reach out to him and see, but (laughs) you never
1: know. Uh, don't be shy. <laughs> so uh, I will gladly take the introduction. But so so qual- world class content is critical. We want to give entrepreneurs uh, an excellent opportunity to learn. First of all, uh, learn. And so our the first day is really only for the entrepreneurs. Even though uh, service providers and and, and investors will be there. Day one is really for the entrepreneur. We start off with a half-day forum for women entrepreneurs and women investors. Um, I think that's
0: awesome. I think that's really lacking in the startup space right now.
1: Yeah, there's, there's clearly a demand for it, and it's you know not a bunch of superficial happy talk. Uh, it's it's you know these are important topics uh, taught by successful people who may not have a name as big as, you know, we were talking about Elon Musk or, or you know, Sally Kralchak or somebody. But these are, these are women that are clearly outstanding in their field, either as entrepreneurs or investors. And so we have a whole forum just for women to start things off. Then there's a break, and in the afternoon we have three very intensive workshops for startups on what we think are three of the most critical topics that they need to master in order to succeed. Um, one of them, the second one actually, is on raising capital. And I say that first because I sometimes get the impression that uh, entrepreneurs were asked to lift what panels do they want to attend, numbers 1 through 10 would be raising capital. And <laughs> while while raising capital is obviously important, now, I use the analogy it's gas in the gas tank. The car won't move without it. Uh, I think it's overemphasized. Um, and so therefore, we have two other topics that we think are equally as important. The first one is how to, how to construct and execute a very good go-to-market strategy. And the point there being, um, you know, if you can do a much better job of selling whatever product service it is that you are going into business for, because you're not going into business to raise money, you're going into business to do something. If you can sell more of it, then you can either raise more or less money, which is your decision to make, because money has a price, and you can raise it cheaper. Right. And so, you know, how do you go about about you know selling more of your product? That's and then the second topic is raising capital, and then the third topic is uh, essentially about how to build a team and, and building a team is you know how to this is kind of crass terminology, that you know you can rent, you can buy people and you can you can JV them. There's a lot of ways to structure relationships where you plug people into your organization that aren't necessarily employees. And how do you do that? I mean, I, I think a lot of people know that that's what you can do. They don't know how to do it. Uh, you know, do you need to hire a search firm? That's an option, but there's a cost. And right. so the third the third panel, the third not panel, these are workshops, the third workshop, is on that. And we talk about also how to structure option agreements and stuff, which is obviously very pertinent to startups. That's a long day. Those are, you know, all over an hour long workshops. So of course the next thing is the opening reception. Um, and so we'll have the opening reception at that time. That's when the investors show up and the service providers. And, uh, the next day is your typical conference. Um, you know, there's, not there's only so many ways you can structure a conference so i don't think our structure is novel i mean there's breakouts and general sessions but uh again we've spent a lot of time you know trying to come up with topics that are you know very educational for the investors on a, i mean and the entrepreneurs on a wide variety of subjects so you know we talked about one component for the entrepreneurs was to learn the, the second opportunity is to connect with others, and and there's really two other groups to connect with. There's the one they really want to connect with, which is the investors. Right. Uh, and you know, the goal is to have 20 to 25 percent of the audience be investors. Now, wow, that's sure really high. high. That's awesome. And it's it's. I'm I'm very glad you said that because often I get the feeling that entrepreneurs think the percentage should be much higher and twenty to twenty five percent of an audience to be investors is is, an, is a very high percentage we had eighteen percent our first year and we had twenty five last year okay so you know if we could have anywhere in that range it makes for fantastic opportunities for our entrepreneurs coming from all over North America to meet investors who are coming from all over North America.
0: Well, I think people um, forget it. It seems like people are forgetting that if they had to go and drive around or fly around the country to meet all these people, it would be, you know, a lot of time and money. So the fact that you have them all in one place is pretty cool.
1: Well, and I appreciate you saying that. We're really hoping. We're, we, we hope that it's an opportunity to, to learn. It's an opportunity to meet good investors and meet good vendors and service providers. Uh, you know, don't don't take for granted that the attorney that you're talking to at a reception, he you know, he might have five investor clients or he might have, you know, three clients that could be your customer. You never know who you can meet and and how that, you know, those second and third connections to when you use like LinkedIn terminology. You just never know where those go. And so to be able to bring a concentration of we think we'll have 1,250 to 1,500 people there from all over the U.S. and Canada primarily, it's a great chance to meet a lot of other great people, whether they be an investor or a service provider or another startup. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of idea sharing and uh, and, and information sharing and, and connection sharing, you know. Who do you use for web hosting? How did you go about doing this? You know, meeting like-minded people that are really intelligent and hungry to be successful as an entrepreneur from all over the continent is a, it's a really awesome experience.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Well, and you and I met on LinkedIn. And that's how, you know, we've kept in touch a little bit over the last couple months. And now we're recording a show. And for for those of you that don't know, I'm actually going to be at uh, SupEx down in Florida. And I'm going to be recording some shows for Building the Future, actually at the event. So if you if you're coming down, and you're interested in actually recording, uh, we'll record live, it'll air, you know, weeks later. But if you are uh, interested, do reach out to me and uh, we can, you know, set up a time and place to record. You know, even the fact that you're allowing me to come down and, you know, record and do basically my show at your event is awesome for me. It's going to help me network. It's going to help, you know, promote people that are at your event as well. So, you know, it benefits you, it benefits me, benefits the people that I'll be interviewing, And, you know, networking is never bad. And that's the thing that I love about the Internet is that makes the world such a smaller place.
1: Wow, Kevin, you only have an hour to interview me. You could get me talking about networking on uh, all day just to give you. uh, Well, maybe we should do another show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just to give you some insight into into what I do. I spend two hours every morning on LinkedIn looking for people that share my interests.
0: Really? I think you Um, reached out to me if I remember correctly. I
1: did. I did. Well, I have, I have, I have 16,000 LinkedIn contacts. Okay.
0: Well, Um, you're, I'm, I'm just at 11,000. So you're, you're well ahead of me.
1: Well, you have me whipped uh, by Twitter followers (laughs) by a long shot, but, uh, but, uh, and I don't even want to talk about the comparison there, but, uh, uh, my point is, is that, you know, this is how we met. And then we got on the phone one day and, you know, we realized we both shared this passion. And, you know, uh, let's get back to the win-win discussion. I needed I need people to help, you know, uh, and to be interested in, in SUPEX. And, you, you know, you've got a radio show. Okay, great. Why don't you come down to my conference and interview lots of people and then help get the word out? I mean, it, everybody wins. And,
0: exactly, yeah. You know, the
1: margin... The marginal cost of marketing these days can can except for your time, which if you know, if you're an entrepreneur, obviously time is money, but you know, except for the cost of your time, the marginal cost of marketing can approach zero. Sure. <laughs> it's, oh yeah. It's amazing sure. it's, ama- it's, ama- it's, ama- it's amazing the reach you can have. So anyway, back to the conference. It's a great chance to meet people. The other the other thing that we have that we think is pretty cool opportunity and a little different is we have a startup competition, which that in and of itself is not different. We're giving away fifty thousand dollars in cash and prizes. Oh
2: wow! But
1: if you if you purchase a, a ticket to the to the event, which uh, you can get a ticket as cheap as one hundred ninety nine dollars if you're willing to buy one now, and if you purchase a ticket to the event, you can apply apply to our startup expo. Well, uh, and we'll we'll probably get I don't know two hundred to five hundred applicants. Okay, fifty of fifty of those. Will be declared semi-finalists. Right.
2: Those
1: fifty semi those fifty semi-finalists get to exhibit on our exhibit hall floor for free, alongside the corporate sponsors that are paying a minimum of one thousand seven hundred fifty dollars to exhibit. So we're giving away a third of our exhibition space to the entrepreneur, um, and the opportunity for them is is obvious in the chance to to meet you know investors. But again, it's a fantastic chance to meet potential customers and other uh, other people and then the, the another unseen opportunity that i don't think people realize is it could be perhaps somewhat painful at times but you're forced to sit there and practice talking about your business over and over and over and over mm-hmm. again to an audience and most startups need practice they sure. you know pitching is pitching is not it's not easy for anyone but most people's pitches could use some refinement, and so having to talk quickly to a lot of people coming by your booth about your business and giving them your elevator speech to get them to stay there in 20, 30 seconds max, that's a fantastic experience, even if it does, <laughs> it can be a little nerve-wracking. For sure. So, and, and and so so the exhibition opportunity is really the the other opportunity. I mean, obviously, there's money if you win, but... So the three pillars we think that help this be a fantastic experience for the entrepreneurs are, you know, learning, education, connection, networking, and exhibition. The flip side of this coin is the conference is also for investors. Sure. And we're marketing uh, all over North America, but considerably in the you know the northeastern United States and and somewhat in San Francisco. Um, to attract those community, that community to come here and then we have some separate programming for the investors. Okay. Um, they, they, they give them an opportunity to network just with other investors. We're obviously going to have a lot of time when we have the investors and the entrepreneurs together
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, because that's very valuable for both of them but you have to provide the investors some time just to meet other investors and provide some content for them in terms of breakouts etc. It's really geared more just for them and we We've set the conference up to do that. And then your third audience is, you know, service providers who have interest in really the other two communities. Um, and, and and you know, that's probably, you know, a third of your audience, uh, probably 35 to 50 percent of the audience is entrepreneurs, and then 20 to 25 percent of the audience will be investors. Right, so right. It's the two, it, it's the two days. It's a Tuesday and Wednesday, which might seem a little odd if you're in Canada, but the reason is is that Monday, February 15th is a U.S. holiday, Presidents' Day. So it's the first two days immediately after that holiday.
2: Right. So. Okay.
1: So that's the, so that's what we now call Supex, the Startup Expo, and uh, which is an outgrowth of what we started with that local organization here a couple of years. It's grown so well that uh, we've now converted it. We have 75,000 square feet at uh, one of the area convention centers. Oh, wow. And, and yeah, we have the entire third floor for two days. That's
0: awesome. So. And if you, if you guys want more information, it's sup-x.org. And I'll post this online as well with a few other links that you talked about throughout the show. So if you, you know, miss it while you're listening, you know, you can reference the website for this. Maybe we should talk a little bit about any kind of keys to succeeding with your startup? You you know, you've been involved in this space a long time, and I think you'd have a lot of really good advice for our listeners out there.
1: Well, I have a couple of thoughts. I mean, um, I know, and I won't start with raising money, because I think that's where everybody, as I said before, wants to spend their attention. Um, look, it's important that you have a, a, a good concept, but, you know, at least here, we, say, we tend to see so many ideas that are good ideas, but there's a difference between a good idea and a business. <laughs> right. um, and, and too often people mistake the two. Um, you know, even a well thought through idea has to then be proven. You need some proof of concept and proof of concept isn't, you know, just your family liking it. You know, you need to have come up with a, a simulation of some sort of a, a prototype or, or, and I'm speaking in gross generalities here, but you have to run this by an, an audience with some kind of statistical relevance that's more than uh, 20 friends and family. And you know, at least you need to do that before you approach the investment community. Right. Um, and too often I see uh, a lot of enthusiasm, uh, end up in a mediocre pitch deck that if it if somehow makes it to a pitch meeting, it's it's almost, it's soon, it's not quite dead on arrival, but it's dying in a couple of minutes. And so I think um, more, more time has to be spent on um, the validation of the concept, research, uh, and proof of concept. And I think there's something else that is important for startups to understand, I didn't really get this until I'd been doing this for a little while. And that is, you know, very few ideas are truly unique. Yeah,
2: you know, it makes if you look sense. At the
1: light, if you look at the light bulb or the automobile, you know, there's, you know, Edison's created with, credited with a light bulb and, you know, somebody's created with a, you know, Montgolfier is credited with a the hot air balloon and. You can pick all these other examples, but there were, were really people all over the world in in an age where information exchange was poor, um, all somehow gathering the information that was at their disposal at the time and, and figuring out formulas and, and, and doing lab experiments and trying things and then basically winning a race, uh, unbeknownst to them that they were probably in a race to begin with. And then, to, and now we look back at a hundred years or two hundred years, depending on the invention. And we look at that and think that you know, someone invented that. Well, they they did invent that. What they but they, what they really did was an invent a race. And my point is, is that it's not likely that your idea is unique, and not unlike at all. Uh, you know, the you know, the, the age of invention in the 17 and 1800s, and the turn of the, the turn of the 20th century where information exchange was poor, there's an opacity that exists in the startup world. You know, a guy with a startup in Atlanta where the show's being broadcast, or, or Vancouver, or, or New York, or Miami, where I am, has no idea what the startup in any of those other cities is doing. And yeah, fair. Often, oftentimes, I find I'll meet some bright person at an event who's got a great idea, and they want to talk about raising money, and I will know two or three other people just in this market who have the same idea. And one of them is 19 months further along. And one of them is seven months further along than this person. So um, I think it, and so my point of saying that is it's a concept to keep in mind um, it, to temper, uh, not, not to temper one's enthusiasm because you never want to do that in the entrepreneurship space. That is almost the, the core concept of entrepreneurship is, is idealism and enthusiasm, but it does add a dose of reality and it does beg you to prove your concept a little more intelligently um, before completely moving forward and before approaching the investment community.
0: And do you also think then that allows them to maybe pivot sooner than later?
1: Yeah, and and pivoting is, in, is important um, and you'll do it multiple times. Um, you know, I just think that the more you know, value, when you're out getting proof of concept, you're constantly getting feedback. You know, you're you're adjusting. You're you're doing not complete pivots, but you're you're taking flight modulations. You're you're getting information from your market, or or the uh, constituents, uh, the stakeholders are all giving you feedback to ad- to ferret through and to filter and determine what's valid. I mean, obviously, the startup, any startup who's listening to this knows this, you get way more advice than you really would like. Sure. Uh, and you, ha- you have to kind of sort through, uh, you have to just kind of sort through, and it's, it's very hard to decide if the messages that you're being told are the right ones, you know, which ones you should heed. And, you know, most entrepreneurs, like myself, uh, have a feeling into their bones that what they're doing is right. And it's it's hard, once you get to that point, when it's in your bones, it's very hard not to keep down your path. And there's no right answer of, of when to pivot and when not to pivot. But validation early is huge. And so you're asking for other lessons. So that was one. Um, the capital, capital raising process is an entire conversation, an entire show sure. that you can do and and it's probably well trod ground i would say that um i can't tell you how many bad pitch decks i've seen
0: okay what Um, do you think makes a bad pitch deck
1: uh just look no pitch deck should ever be more than 15 slides max and or and, and probably the first one is your cover page and the last one is your contact information so the in between 13 to 15 pages absolute maximum have to be very concise and precise, and you can order them differently, but you know it has to talk about what is what is the the business problem that's being addressed, um, what is uh, what is the, the the key way that your 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 product or service is going to address that. What is an overview of the the market? What are your competitors like? Uh, what is your go-to-market strategy? And that one gets overlooked almost more than any other. I see people talk about a need and the solution and therefore give me money okay but how are you how are you paid okay, even if you had the solution how are you going to sell the solution go to market strategy get overlooked more than anything you also need to have some sort of projections in there and those projections you cannot show four four successive years of ten times growth and I have <laughs> seen I mean I don't you're probably better than me at math Kevin but I don't
0: know about that. I don't know what
1: <laughs> I don't know what the number of you know four you know four years of ten times ten. But I have literally seen pitch decks that show that. I mean, oh wow! So you, you've got to have enough growth in there. Look, it is a marketing game. I mean, you got to have enough growth in there that that makes your idea appealing to investors. But overdoing it just shows them that you don't have a clue as to what you're doing. Um, so there's, there's some elements, and I'm probably forgetting a couple, and you can do research. You, know, I, you, know, you can find articles on Google and, and, and YouTube videos, et cetera, on how to construct a good deck. But you know, there's key topics that have to be addressed, um, and they need to be, and too often the go-to-market piece is glossed over. And the, the, other, the other thing that I would say about, and this gets back to our topics that we're having at our, you know, our, uh, our conference, I, I just talked about the importance of go-to-market strategy. That's one of our workshops. You know, raising money, and the third thing is your team. Interesting.
0: Um, yeah, I think it, people forget about that a lot of the time.
1: Look, at the end of the day, a service business is, is really just a collection of people, right? I mm-hmm. mean, so what are what are their talents? You know, uh, how talented are the people that you have, and how how well can they work with one another? You know. Uh, Getting three people who think exactly the same is not a good formula for a good business. You know, you need people with differentiating, you know, differentiated skill sets. Um, if they've done it together before, that's hugely powerful. That's very rare. But constructing that team is vital. And before you go to investors, um, if, if you don't have an incredibly well thought through idea that is very novel and the, the idea almost sells itself. Which is not very often, by the way. You you better have that team page uh, mapped out pretty well. Um, You know, it's it's you know there needs three or four of those seats need to be occupied. You know, a good advisory board is always very helpful. Um,
0: Do you have any tips on how you get one, or kind of when you should get an advisory board? Well. Is it too like very, when is too early? I guess is the big thing that I'm curious about.
1: I don't know that there are hard and fast rules for a lot of us. You know, I think, I think there's no one approach to success. There's no one way to do anything. A lot of advisory growths are natural or advisory boards. I'm sorry, are are natural outgrowths of existing relationships. And okay. So, you know, the, the sooner the sooner you can get somebody with a different perspective. It's not your necessarily your dad, unless your dad's willing to be like pretty doggone frank with you. Um, you know, the sooner you can get uh, someone with uh, some expertise uh, in your product in the in 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 the, in the process of being a startup in in who has experience in raising capital. I mean, there's all kinds of. People you can put on an advisory board that each could provide a different expertise. the sooner you can get any of them to be representing you or, or advising you, particularly for free, uh, the better. Sure. Formally structuring. I'm, I'm just talking about an advisory board. That's a lot different than a board board. I mean, a board board, you know, people are going to need to get shares, et cetera, But I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's ever too early to get somebody outside to be giving you, you know, sharing you some of the things they've learned along the on, along the way.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense to me. One other thing that I was going to ask you, what about accelerators or incubators? Do you think that's a good place to, you know, maybe try to grow your startup or your idea?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, at least the terminology here in the States, incubators tend to be more affiliated with universities and accelerators tend not to be. But I would say... I'd say yeah, and wow, do you have some really good accelerators in Canada? Uh, yeah, you, there's a bunch. You, some, you really do. Uh, you know, I've been. I'm. I just have to say, this is a tangent. I'm so impressed with uh, the state of your country's uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem. Not to big ecosystem. It's it's very well developed. You have so many centers of excellence because you have some great universities. I mean. There's, you know, you look at what's going on in Kitchener and Waterloo and, yeah. you know, the Toronto area. It's really, it's very, very, very impressive. It's not, you know, it holds its head up there with anybody, and you should be proud. But back to accelerators, uh, I think the other thing to do is, you know, at least here, the lines between uh, co-workspace and accelerator sometimes get blurred. Uh, okay. um, and if you can, you know... Co work spaces are great because you're near some, you know, you're with a lot of other people who are going through similar experiences, and there's usually some low cost service providers that are in there that are trying to get clients, and they're doing it for, for fees that that are very approachable for the startup community. That's a healthy environment to be in, and there's some mentorship there, but that's not quite an accelerator. I think if you're going to go into an accelerator, you need to do your research.
2: Mm, there, fair. You, that's fair. That's good advice. Really
1: you really need to do your research. Obviously, if you think of some of the bigger ones, and Kevin, you know the names better than I do, but Accelerator Center and some others, yeah, their, reputate, their, their reputations precede them. I mean, yes, you should apply, and if you get in, so congratulations, you know, remember us when you're wealthy.
2: <laughs> um,
1: but a lot of the other accelerators, I think you really need to do your research because I'm not convinced that there's a big difference between co-workspaces. For an accelerator to really work, I think it's got to have uh, a capital source attached to it on the backside, Right. Or because um, it, it needs to have proven successes and that capital source will attract the better companies, uh, startups to it. But um, just going and being taught for a semester, it, uh, it's incredibly helpful. And if you get accepted in the program and, and you can afford the time away from another occupation or whatever, it's probably worth it, but knowing that the people also have an economic—it's uh, okay for for it not to be all just educational. It's okay for them to have a, a some some uh, what is it uh, naked self interest, uh, something <laughs> like that, that. Adam Smith would have said it's okay. I mean that's, you know it's those interests do align, uh, because if they're really interested in you, it's probably a good sign. So I think having a good capital source and a good track record of producing winners is critical. And you need to do your research online and on billboards and talk to people that washed out and why. It's Not all of them washed out because they didn't fit in. Some of them washed out because they probably thought, you know, this particular place might not be worth it. But I wouldn't disparage them. All I'm saying is, is that it's like anything else. Do your research.
0: That's great advice. This has been awesome. I, I wish we had more time with you. I really do. But I only have an hour radio slot and it's been pretty much an hour. So I'm going to have to uh, maybe let you go for now. But I think that you, you touched on a bunch of things that would actually make another really good show. And I think maybe later in the year or early next year, maybe closer to the time that you're running your conference, maybe we do another one and we, we dive a little bit deeper into some of these other topics.
1: Uh, look, the pleasure has been mine. I appreciate you giving us the opportunity to talk about Supex and to talk about you know, startups and entrepreneurship, which is a passion of mine. And uh, you know, if I could ever be of help by talking on another topic, uh, it's obvious that one of my favorite sounds in the world is my own voice. So have <laughs> me back on.
0: No, well, uh, thanks again. This has been awesome. And yeah, I'll post all the links to all the stuff you're working on in your Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and and whatnot. People can check that out online and hopefully to see some of you in Florida in uh, February. Thanks again, Bob, and uh, we'll be in touch soon. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening. You can visit past shows at buildingthefutureshow.com. If you're going to the Startup Expo on February 16th and 17th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and want to record an episode, please contact me. The music for the show is by Electric Mantra. Check him out at ElectricMantra.com. Until next time, keep building the future.